0: Recognizing an opportunity and um, and actually also it's a little bit of having cojones to just say, you're asked, can you do X? And you're like, I don't know what that is. But yeah, we can do that. And then figuring it out. Having a good relationship with your instinct of risk. That's
1: Jan van Leeuwen, entrepreneur, investor, connector. We talk about her first steps into entrepreneurship, her eventual move to working with her husband in IQ Branding Solutions, and organizations such as Diageo, Dublin Airport Authority, Google, IKEA and more. We talk about how they grew that business to seven figures in four years with double-digit profit growth and how they navigated the impact COVID had on them and their team. We also talk investment here, how to invest and how to seek investment. Some great nuggets in this one, so let's get started. I'm Finola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. And today I have a real treat for you because today we get to talk to Jan van Leeuwen. Perhaps you may get from that that Jan is Dutch and she has a very interesting background and career because she's gone from entrepreneurship and well-recognized connector in Ireland because she really always leaves the door open for people to meet and connect with each other. And I think that's a kind of very interesting aspect of the other part of her life, which is as investor. And I thought we could talk today about the role as entrepreneur, as connector, as investor, while still balancing all these other parts of your life, which is mom and all the many other things. How are you, Jan? I'm great. So I thought we'd start with I mean, the journey of entrepreneurship, how you moved into entrepreneurship in the first place, and then uh, a little about IQ branding and how you that moved to a seven figure business in four years with double digit profit growth. There you go. That's a mouthful.
0: Oh my goodness. That's my bio, isn't it? That's yes. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs, so I didn't get any background in that, and that was not really a path that was known to me. I would say it's well, definitely wasn't um, discouraged. It just wasn't even on the on the radar or on the on the conversation at home. And then as I went to college and uh, started work as a career business consultant, you know, a lot of project work, and I probably. I don't think I lasted a job longer than a year, year and three months. Um, From my point of view, I just got really bored really quickly and I felt I had too little control over what I was going to do or where I was going to go. And then when I was in, I was probably, I don't know how I would have been, that would probably be in about 2002. So I would have been working maybe 7 7 years mm-hmm. and I've so got a good few different roles business consulting mainly in IT and project management and some sort of like programming. I if, mm-hmm. if, if 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 no code or low code had been around then that would have been what I would have done because I like processes. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um and Then I, like, as you do when you're late 20s or, yeah, probably late 20s, over a glass of wine with a really good friend, we just had a brainwave and said, we are going to open an art house film centre on a boat in Amsterdam. Why not? Yeah. And how do we go about it? So we managed to pull everything together within about three and a half months and that included getting our um hospitality and bar license and you know doing our exams getting permission to be able to construct this this floating cinema uh in in the the area that we were in amsterdam uh, getting electricity and uh mm. water pulled to the to the side of the quay where we were going to be going and it was a crazy journey it was a lot of fun and we did mm. it. it was supposed to be seasonal we did it for one season, uh, for six months, and it was brilliant. It was like, a, and that's when I really learned. I think that I wanted to just be, you know, a captain of my own ship. That would have that probably was- be my first taste, proper taste of um, um, entrepreneurship. I had done a few, dabbled a few bits and pieces. I did some website. I was a website builder when I was in Cork before I went back to Amsterdam, and a few few things like that. But I never never would have been as meaty as this. But it's
1: all creative. That's another thread I always see in your work.
0: No, definitely. Yeah. I, but I, look, I believe we're all creators anyway, in some form. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that would be a big drive for me is to, uh, yeah, to think something and then make it real. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So, um and anyway, so I did that for year, and then I got pregnant and my, my now husband moved back to Ireland. Um, so that wasn't really practical and also lugging beer crates uh, and kegs and stuff back and forth along a boat when you're pregnant and staying up till yeah. two really o'clock worked. talking to all the local resident alcoholics. <laughs> probably i loved it i actually really <laughs> loved working in the bar i could see myself doing that again as well i actually really really enjoyed it it's probably the communication aspect and getting to know people and hearing their life stories and their life stories and 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 also the creative part because we obviously we were cultural and you know but we because we were a venue we could combine say showing a documentary on flamenco with getting flamenco dancers in to make it a flamenco night, putting boards down on the, on the floor. So we could, yeah. it was just, and it was completely up to us, whatever we thought about, oh, that would be a great idea. Let's try it, you know? So yeah. that was the experience. It was great. And I learned everything. Also, I didn't know it before that. I had no idea what VAT was or, you know, the whole yeah. concept of, yeah, you know, basic business, basically.
1: Yeah, Yeah. But I see so, that connector in it as well. Yeah. Because you always strike me... You know, the, you know working in a bar, I can see the connection between that because you always struck me as you're always putting people in connection with other people and you just let that flow all the time. And that seems to be a very strong thread in your journey too.
0: That and service. Like, I mean, that would, I mean, definitely would have that probably for my mom. But um, I, there is, I enjoy, I enjoy doing things for other people, yeah. whether that's serving them Dinner yeah. or coffee or a beer um, um so I mean it definitely is the so i don 't know if it, I would want to do it full time but i i I really enjoy this that was a great it was the whole project was thrilling mm. and very exciting so yeah. and then I moved to Ireland, and my husband was setting up uh, a business here in was pr- initially was in large format advertising um we couldn't get the, that through we didn't have the connections actually in dublin and ireland that we would have now um so that definitely taught me the importance of network and uh, networking um so after a year we knocked that on because we didn't get permission from dublin city council to do what we wanted to do and we set up the production leg of that which was large format or you know building advertising big banners Mm. so we would have put banners on national museum of ireland Uh, they're like 120 square meter banners it was huge project but even so we then basically started a sign company without being sign makers much more being project managers and um customer relation builders really but you're a
1: well-recognized company in ireland for that we work with most of the
0: the blue chip company, so, um and we maybe 30 staff, something like that. So we're yeah. sizable enough. Um Yeah. And that's been a, a real journey. But that would be, so I, I would have worked on that really, really hard for many years. And it was very enjoyable as well to work with my husband. So we were quite complimentary.
1: Yeah, because that's the obvious question, isn't it? How was that? <laughs> like? Really you know, because good. Some-
0: yeah. Really good. No, we, like I said, and still like we would support each other. We definitely, we have overlaps, but we also, what we probably find the hardest we're the other is good at. Yeah. So we, and we're okay. Perfect. And we've always, uh, so that's been, interesting. we were definitely in that business, we were completely equal. Um, yeah. And it's a very male oriented uh, sector actually print print and signage and there's a lot of you know like there's actually physically installing signs in the beginning I would have done that as well so and I would have done this sort of the think the the technical piece of how to put some of these tubular frames together I wouldn't yeah. have maybe done all of the heavy lifting but um but I, I was there I would have been there at four o'clock in the morning putting stuff up on Grafton Street you know Brilliant. and so and I and that wouldn't be necessarily what I, I always wanted to know what it was or how to do it Uh, So that I'd have a better understanding in also building confidence in the relationship with the customer, because then I actually knew what we were talking about, what I was talking about. And what was possible. Yeah. And what was possible. And and, and, and to to have a, a good, reasonable way of explaining if something wasn't possible.
1: Yeah. 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 Very cool. Tell me that journey to the seven figures in
0: four years. I think that that's but I think that's a characteristic of entrepreneurship that is recognizing an opportunity and um and actually also it's a little bit of having cojones to just say you're asked can you do x and you and you're like I don't know what that is but yeah we can do that and then yeah. figuring it out and yeah. having a, a a good relationship with your instinct of risk I think that is is really important. So I'd say what moved us very quickly was um, back Hamilton Osborne King was uh, joining Savills at the time, became fully Savills, but first they had a rebrand to Savills Hamilton Osborne King. and They basically asked us, could we rebrand all of their silage nationwide in six weeks? And it was like, you know, all of their curry boards, all of their sort of, their, their, their boards, uh, on, on commercial, commercial, commercial buildings, mm. like, uh, and honestly, I didn't even know what a curry board was. So, <laughs> so I, and I remember Paul coming back and, and we were like, how are we going to do this? So we, but I, I would have had confidence in the graphics skills and the project management so I could do that and he's he was good he's very good with people with men with the men yeah. the fitters and the installers had to do it and I would have been good then in the purchasing and getting the agreements to get the pricing right and we managed it we did it 90 percent in six weeks and okay. then so from not knowing what a carry board was to suddenly be able to say we've done a nationwide rollout for a recognizable name that that made a big difference fantastic and did
1: it matter that it was ninety percent and not a hundred percent?
0: No, because the the ten percent was um, would have been just that we couldn't get access, or you know that you know it was in a commercial building behind a fence, and that the owner was on holidays, or any just just very reasonable reasons. There was just issues that we that they were going to be more difficult, or they were yeah. really far flung, you know. So we we sacrifice, say maybe going to Letterkenny for one sign or two signs for completing more in a in a in a close area. And that would have been agreed with the customer that we just sort of said we can achieve X within six weeks and then we'll need two weeks to mop up the rest.
1: Okay. So it was clear from the start. You know, and the reason I'm asking this is because, you know, there's that that saying that um and this is, you know, this'll be me being a bit controversial saying this to you, but there's often this saying that men will say, yes, of course we can do it. Whereas women will worry that they can't do it and often step back because they don't believe that they're, you know, they're, they're too focused on, on being absolutely certain that they can deliver something. You know, there's that saying, I'm just kind of wondering what your perspective is on that.
0: Oh, I do not know. I'm, I'm not a great, uh, honestly, I'm not a great fan of sort of gender gendering, I mean, yes, it's definitely cultural, and there there would be influence on it, but I think it's more cultural than – so I I definitely – I mean, what if, I've, I've said it – I might, might have said that to you before and that when we spoke. One of the biggest gifts that my parents gave me is to say, you can do anything that you put your mind to. So I have always gone through life feeling confident that I can do it. I mean, that's also raised like that,
1: but I kind of like to name that stuff because – There's so many women entrepreneurs that hold back for stuff like that, that they think that it's, you know, um, and I'd rather they didn't, you know, I want to encourage. um, I think it's dangerous, this difference, the male-female difference. I think it's better to. to to take this approach that it is entrepreneurship. And it is, as you said, having the cojones to do it, to have to just go for it
0: and look at the numbers. It's a confidence thing. And there's honestly because I would also I mean, my one of my biggest buttons are is the fear of not doing a good enough job for the client. Absolutely. I have that and that's one of the things that drives me to do an exceptional job because I I also I want to basically be told that I did a great job so I mean talking about early childhood you know like character that that would definitely be a driver for me to my own detriment at times so I it took it was a very hard lesson for me to learn that done is good enough it doesn't need to be 100% and sacrifice everything to get the 100% you're better off doing 10 things at 80% than three things at 100% you get more more output um, yeah. and there would be things that keep me Up at night, and there was things that would keep Paul up at night as well, like so for him, it was very much the safety of his men because he 's sending people up on cherry pickers and there's like electrical you know like this this serious safety concerns, and for me, it was more around what if the sign falls off the building yeah <laughs> or or what happens when there is a storm, and a sign takes off it happens it honestly it happens, um, yeah. and what if I hurt somebody so those are things that are, you know, but I think that they temper what you say yes to or what caveats you put in. I would now, and obviously that's a learning, now I would say, yes, we can do that, but we'll only do it if it's safe. And I would trust that my relationship is strong enough with the customer that they trust that that call will be made genuinely, not out of some kind of laziness or excuse. Yeah. Yeah. And but
1: yes, it's confidence, but also and again, you know, you're a very clear communicator and you're very clear around boundaries and yeah, clarity. It's really strong in all my dealings with you. Clarity has always been clarity and kindness. I would have put the two together.
0: Ah, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice.
1: But also it's very pragmatic, you know, it's not just being nice. It's a very pragmatic success
0: trait. It's not, there's no point in hiding from something. So I've had to make the hard calls and I've, and I and I. It definitely would be something I I, I would work really hard on with the kids. I was a 17 year old Mia and 11 year old Ben, especially Mia is how to word things. I would help her. So even in with her own peers or how to communicate to be, to not be ambiguous because especially with the the current media of text or you know social media those short short messages you need to develop skills to not allow for misinterpretation and that but that is a skill um and but it, but it is a skill that comes with practice and I would do the same definitely with with customers but also with with people that I encounter I'm very clear if I say something uh, and I'm not going to make I know I would, I'm not going to achieve it, I know I'm not going to achieve it before I don't achieve it. So I don't wait till after I haven't yeah. achieved it. I tell before, I'm really sorry, but I'm not going to achieve this or I'm going to be late for an appointment. You know, you're going to be late 15 minutes before you're late. So I yeah. prefer to tell somebody 15 minutes before I'm late that I'm going to be late than 15 minutes afterwards. You know, So it's just part of it's Character the things that sort of wind you up, but it's also pragmatic because you have a lot less. You have a better better relationships and less problems if you're just honest. And it's and I don't believe it's a weakness um, to say I can't I can't do it or I didn't manage it or something happened or or even I forgot. You know, it's you know, and you could apologize for that. But it can, but, but it can happen, you know, and as long as the person understands that it's not a character flaw, but it's something, you know, genuine, I think that it's quite accepted and you have to accept that someone's annoyed about it as well. That's okay too. Yeah. Great. Um, tell me
1: how you, the move from, because are you still involved with IQ Branding now?
0: I, I am. I, I Well, I worked very hard to sort of like step out um, because yeah. I thought after a good few years, it was good. It was also better for a relationship. I mean, we really enjoyed building the, t- the company together, but there was a stage that we worked together every day. We'd talk about work afterwards. We had kids together. We had everything. I mean, we just, uh, we're like one person. <laughs> and that definitely started giving me... I I just needed to do something that was my own thing. So I and I wanted also more autonomy. So that was the part that I found was found most difficult about running a business with two other people after because we, we we got a third director involved. I found that really difficult that I couldn't control the direction, which is one of the reasons I got into sort of entrepreneurship in the first place, was that autonomy. Mm. Um so I had stepped back a good bit, but there was one huge client that I had worked on before I started that, which was Diageo. And it was for a very, very large project which took three years to come to fruition and then it came to fruition. But the caveat was that I ran it. So I kinda yeah. had to do it. Yeah. Even well, I didn't have to do it, but that was maybe comes back down to that thing of like I, I had promised I would do it. So I felt i had to do it and i enjoyed it actually a lot still it's still it's still ongoing but that's the only clients i look after yeah. and then also in covid i stepped back in just because it was all hands on deck it was just dealing with the hr and the legal and the um, you know payroll and all of that aspects mm. um, and just battening down the hatches and protecting the business but also protecting the employees uh, yeah the, You know, like, I think lots of people did things that they weren't expecting to have to do because of COVID. Um, But I'm not in the day to day running of it anymore. So uh, I have definitely stepped out of that um, because I want to do other projects.
1: I'm just going to take a very short break here to tell you about an opportunity where you can apply the insights from many of these conversations to your business. Your marketing is your choice. In fact, all the trends scream that the more authentic you are, the greater the resonance with your target customers and the greater the success your business can have. Position With Purpose is my free 90 minute webinar where you will learn that it's possible to do your marketing in a way that feels like you and delivers results.
0: She just knows what step you should take next. One of these rare finds is really genuine people. Finola will help you to find your authentic voice. Finola has some wonderful methodologies. Did I say Finola really cares? She genuinely does. You manage to combine a proximity and helping hand with an online course or online program. You have an incredible generosity of spirit. Finola helps you to extract ideas and dreams of how to make your business even bigger it is so much more than marketing
1: if you'd like to find out more about position with purpose click on the link in the show notes so you can find out how to market so it feels like you and pull your customers to you now let's get back to the conversation so tell us you so you move from that because you're following your gut as well. You know, you want you realize this is not working anymore for you in its current format. You decide mm-hmm. to change the nature of the relationship and you go and explore. So tell us about that. Um, I'm kind of leaving it wide open for you here yeah, to explore yeah. because,
0: <laughs> well, I, because did I like a few, this, Yeah, I did a few projects and some of them you'd know. So I did a project with my sister, um, mm-hmm. but that was just because my sister got uh, an autoimmune uh, disease and and this is nine years ago I think she was diagnosed with that and I've you know and she had young kids I had young kids and I found that every conversation that we had was kind of skirting around not wanting to ask every time how are you and you know mm-hmm. it was just very um formulaic almost become because mm-hmm. of the distance and she's living in the Netherlands and um, so and, and I I, like And I get on really, really well with her. So I said, why don't we just do something together? So we did this project, um, which was a Kickstarter project. We brought out a journal for teenagers. And it was a huge amount of work, but it was so much fun as well mm. to work together with her. Um, mm. And it l- meant that our relationship was, it just deepened and it was it was about other things than just, you know, mm. kids, kids and illness and wellness and all of that kind of thing. And... Mm. Um, but it wasn't i mean as a business it probably wasn't fully sustainable or would have had to put on a lot more effort than i than i wanted and more effort than she was able to put in so we just we we did it we achieved it and and we kind of put that to bed it definitely brought up some thinking around um for me seeing how how able she is and how exceptional she is at what she does but how um blocking having a, an illness mm. is mm. from lots of different, I won't go into the detail, but from lots of different yeah. points of view, from her own thinking, from other people's thinking, from structures and, and what what's possible within work structures and employment. Um. So we ha- had some, and I, that's when I was talking to you about this sort of concept I had around Quicken, which still hasn't left me, by the way, some of the things that we would have talked about then. But I think that that was just so... Um, conceptual that I found that quite hard to pull that from this sort of thinking into a a reality that was achievable without it, yeah, costing me more than I wanted it to cost me in time and effort. And uh, so, so that also kind of, and I, I think I can't remember when actually I let that go. I think that was a little bit around the time that I knew that I was going to have to pull it on my own. And that wasn't the, that wasn't the outset of the thinking. That was something that was supposed to be with, with someone else. But that's Um, interesting
1: because that's a, that's a definite theme here. You're very clear what you want and what you're willing to do in exchange for that.
0: Like that's, that's really clear. Well, getting more and more, more clear in it. Sorry, I should say, because I try, I have to balance out. Like I'm definitely a shiny new toy person. Yeah. Like I love new things and I get very excited about them. Um and I also um I'm not afraid so I'm not afraid to sort of jump off the cliff and just say, go for it. So that's not but I have the tendency to like something a lot and then go for it. And then only afterwards like thinking, why did I actually why did I do this? Do I actually really want want this, or was it just a, a great idea at the moment? So um, I think what I do now is like I I, I do work on, harder on defining some parameters, um, mm. whatever they are at the time. So mm. um, so you you know obviously you can do the work around looking what are you good at, what's your passion. And what what is needed by the world, let's say, and see if you can find that sweet spot in the middle as a test. But then separately from that, you know what what you want to bring into the world, and that's maybe where the the, the ideas around some of the autonomy and ownership and sharing of the ideas that we we talked about at the time in Quicken. Or I'd like to I'd like to have an opportunity to implement some of the things that I've seen or I'm inspired by in how businesses are set up. Mm. And then separately from that, it's like, what are your personal parameters? Like, I I don't ever want to start something anymore that's going to require my physical person to be attached to my chair, to my desk in Dublin 40 hours a week. Yeah. So is that why
1: investment became much more interesting?
0: Yeah. So it's, it's not necessarily that I want to go, uh, Be a digital nomad and and spend my time between Bali, Portugal, and God knows where. But I would, I want, it is important to me to keep that open that that would be, or go and live in Holland for a few months to look after my parents who are elderly, that Mm -hmm. I can make those decisions. And it's not going to mean giving up what I do. It means that yeah. I I want I need to create whatever my choices now are that create enough flexibility to, that I can make um, locational choices. So that would be, yeah. and that's different for everybody, but that would be one that's really important to me. Um, that I'm flexible.
1: Yeah, freedom comes to mind. Yeah, um,
0: you've <laughs> you're now you
1: you describe yourself as. Um, getting the hang of investment now (laughs) with 10 companies under your belt. So, or 10 investments under your belt. 10 investments. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, what's that like? How did you come come to that? Um,
0: Look, uh, I guess I'm lucky because the business that was running was going well. So I was able to, make a decision to not have to work for a regular income immediate mm. regular monthly income mm. um which and I and i am very interested in new ideas I'm not interested and genuinely still not interested in doing something on my own and pulling that forward and being I quite enjoy being working with other people um mm. and then an opportunity came on my path through a f- friend of mine but also who who would have a lot of interest in what he did um through his business so he exited his businesses twice and 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 obviously benefited from that financially Uh, so that was very interesting to me like how did how did you how did he do that is like how did he extract himself again from something that he built and then through those conversations, an opportunity came that uh, that he was approached to invest in in a business, Property Bridges actually, um, which is doing really well, um, and if I was interested in that. Um, so that came on my plate. At the same time, I had also started working with EI as a mentor, so I was more involved with seeing lots of other startups. Um, I was also had started working with Faroga as a mentor with their youth entrepreneurship program. So there was an element of service and community that I wanted, you know, a give back that I wanted to do and interest, but I wanted to learn from the other side and also see what value was there and what I had learned that I could share. Mm. Um, and so, so I invested in that first company. And part of that would have been that I met with the CEO every month Uh, And and it was just to shoot the breeze, chat, see whatever came up, not really involved in the business, but more uh, like, so how to manage your personal relationships while you're setting up a business and working 80 hours a week or Mm. um, HR issues or hiring questions or anything that sort of came up. Um, And, quite soon after that a second investment opportunity came through the same same guy um uh, that we both invested in so i i guess i sort of piggybacked on my trust of him and his mm. and and also then other people i knew he was involved with that were also investing um so a lot of my due diligence was just following like both my gut and just saying okay well if they think <laughs> if they think it's a good idea i i have a Fair high level of trust that it probably is a good idea. Um, Were you willing to lose the money? Well, I did. I would never. I would never gamble anything that I can't afford to lose. Don't. I don't yeah. want to lose it. But I no. I do. I wouldn't go mortgaging my house to invest in a business. Yeah, it's a risk. Um, yeah. it's about. And it's about. Yeah, it's a risk, but it's also want, what you want to get out of an investment. So that is shifting and changing, and, and I'm learning definitely as I'm as I'm going through. Um so on the one hand, I've learned that I have a good gut instinct and I'm not so afraid. So I don't, and I'm not too attached. I'm also, I'm not super attached to money. Um, for me, it's always been, for me, I would almost use it as currency and the word currency, it needs to flow. So investment fits very well with that. So if you let money flow through you into something else, then that can start generating other things and it can make other things possible. Mm. So yeah, so for me, it's not like the static uh, money is not a static object. It's 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 uh, yeah. I don't know how to, I don't know how to, I, I should probably put that into words better. But it really is something that flows, and investment is a way of flowing money through you to something else.
1: And, and it's just it's not that narrow view of what money is, and and it brings more than. It brings more than uh, financial reward. It's also like energy. It's that—that's what I'm getting from you.
0: Yeah, and there is—I mean, there are things attached to money, like—and—and and I think we've, but we—and also over-attached, like value, to, so that you know we use uh, money to value things worth worth the worth of something to us. How much is it worth? Um, but it, it gets a bit um, problematic when you start attaching money to self-worth for example mm. but it's very it's but it's that's that's easy said not so easily done but i really I'm, I'm just genuinely not that attached to money but i'm also speaking from a luxury position that i live in a great part of the world and i mm. have what i need and i have a roof over my head and i'm not worrying about getting bread on the table so i'm very aware that that's not the case for everyone in the world in your ten
1: companies, do you think about the return on investment as a whole across the ten,
0: or yeah. as each individual piece? No, it's across. There's no way that I'm going to bet uh, that I'm going to have only winners. No way, it's not possible. Yeah, and I that's so I don't want to be too attached to that either. So I mean, I make use. You know, I have to make a decision and believe that it can, but there's no guarantees, and and I wouldn't. Worst case, you lose what you put in. You're not going to lose more, so it's not like some stock place, for example. Or if you work yeah. on the markets, which would be beyond my skill level. I, I have looked at that and I've played around in that, but that's like it's it's highly addictive and it's um, it's not it's not what I want to do with my time. I'm not good enough at it because it requires day to day. Do you think
1: there's a pattern in what you invest in? Do you find that you are more successful with certain
0: types of involvement than others? um i i I can't honestly can't say because i haven't exited yet so on paper they're doing great but i mean that's on paper it's not something i can spend or get a mortgage on or anything like that yeah so we'll have to see when they exit do you have a timeline exit for each one building that in more and more but for some of the early ones no because i just i i pretty much didn't know what i was doing so i would have so we'll, we'll see what, what comes out of it. But actually the, the first ones were, uh, I would say, are probably the, the the better, not the better ones, but would be the financially better ones. But the, the last investment I did was actually not, it was just to enable something. So I, I should get my money back and maybe a little bit of interest, but I don't expect to get a huge return on it. And that's not always important either. Sometimes it's important just that you say, okay, well, company X wants to achieve something that is really important to me in in a big way so so this would be maybe in the more the sustainability and the environmental space so I'm less looking at what is going to be my return on investment financially Mm. I wouldn't be looking like is it going to 10x or you know all of those lovely terms but I'd be more like can can it happen if I put my money in there versus not being able to happen and so it's a different measure Um, yeah and you know, so it's somebody's that particular project is, is somebody's legacy project. I mean, it's an incredible project, and um, so I'm just happy to be involved. Mm. And there's other opportunities that come out of that because it's it's a project that maybe 30 investors involved in, uh, sorry, in, invested in. So the connections that you make through that mm. have it have their own value. Yeah, that potentially may convert into financial choices other f- investments for example you know access to other investments or it could just be that um your life is enriched by knowing those people yeah i mean i would say that's a return on investment too but yeah. it's not one that you can measure measure and finance but if, if if i feel like okay i know three extra people now that i you know that i would really rate or that i know i can lean on or ask certain questions that has its own value um, it's another level I, of networking. Yeah, it is. And then now, just very recently, I've joined an investment cooperative. So that's uh, probably about 20 angel investor. It's Amsterdam-based, but there's a few Irish ones in it as well. Um, and I'm excited about that because it means that I get to work alongside and learn a lot. So it's the areas mm-hmm. that I have very little experience in or knowledge about, whether it's, um, it's sectoral, knowledge or you know how to be a deal lead or to actually really um analyze good term sheets and that and the like this there's, there's things that i feel that i want to learn and it's and mm. it's nice to do that in the group of peers and it working at, it works as a cooperative properly as a cooperative so it's quite interesting even to mm. see a structure like that in light mm. of you know the, the quicken experiment mm. that i would have looked at that it's a yes, yeah, this, there's echoes of things that I've looked at before. So like, you know, you gravitate, I guess, to things that interest you. If you were to,
1: because you can give both perspectives here. If you were to give three things to walk away with for someone who's looking for investment and three things to walk away with for someone who's starting, to, who's looking at to invest,
0: can you share three in each? Looking for investment. Yeah. First of all I would say delay as long as possible because okay. you uh, in the sense that the earlier you look for investment the more equity you have to give away. Yeah. Because you're higher risk. So nobody's yeah. going to invest in a high risk without wanting a good chunk, right? And so that that can that can cause all kinds of problems further down the road if you've given too way too much away too early gets hard to get more investment or you end up with very little yourself. Um, And I would say you really, you you need, you just need to have, well, depending on what kind of business you're starting, but you need to have a minimum MVP and you need to have proof of concept and you need to have paying customers. You need to have been able to go into the market and get somebody to pull out their credit card and actually type in the numbers and buy it. And it doesn't matter if it's five Euro, the block, the, the, pe- people say yes to anything that's for free, but they're completely uncommitted, totally not committed to it because it's free. But actually giving you something, the effort and also, you know, like the trust of giving something as personal as your credit card details, that is a proof that there is at least appetite mm. in the idea of what you're selling. Mm. So I would say they're really, really important um things before you start looking for investment. Then separately from that, I would say, what you want to get out of the investment? Be really, really clear in that. Are you looking for just money? And you know exactly what you need to do, but all you need is is money. That's a different type of investor than if you say, no, actually, I want to have a door, somebody who can make the introductions too or who has done X before, or who will be able to sit on my board, or Mm. who will be able to give me advice in entering Asian markets. I don't know. It depends on what, what the business requires. I would be very clear in knowing what you need and why you need it. So you then will go into the market, in a sense, recruiting an investor.
1: Hmm. That's an interesting way of putting it. And if you're not clear, don't do it.
0: No, but I mean, if you're not, but, but, but why would I want to, as an investor, why would I want to invest unless you know exactly what you're going to do with the money? I mean, otherwise I'm just sinking it in some kind of spurious, um, I don't know, drink fund or something. I don't know what yeah. I'm putting it in. So I need to know what you're going to do with it and why. And yeah. I need to also feel that I can uh, challenge the person on what they, they're they looking for investment on because often it's not really understood what they need investment for, and sometimes it's also, um, it's almost like you know, it's like you know, like w- w- young people who say, I want to be a manager, why <laughs> because it sounds yeah. cool, so I want to have investment because that is some kind of it's a checkbox, it should never be a checkbox because you have to give something away for investment, mm. um, and Potentially, you, you'll be giving away more than you believe it's worth. As in, because you're banking on like this explosion, this amazing success of a business. So you're going to be giving away a chunk of that, but you'll be fought on the valuation, which is fair enough. You know, if you've no customers, no paying customers, no evidence, and you can't really start saying that your company is worth a couple of million mm. in most cases. I mean, there's some, some exceptions to that sort of maybe in med tech, and, you know, they have mm. really long trajectories. But um, mm. but most businesses, you need to be able to prove certain things. But it sounds
1: like it's common to hear that because like, we've all watched stuff like Dragon's Den and stuff where the knowledge of, you know, there is no paying customers. It is a belief and uh, often it comes out that they're just not ready.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I I can I I can put, I'll put my hand up. I've thought, you know, I've I've had those thoughts that it's something is a great idea, but I mean, having a great idea and it actually being something that's needed mm. in the to the level that somebody's willing to pay for it—that's uh, that's a that's not the same thing. Yeah. Okay.
1: What would you like people to walk away with today, based on all your experience of all these perspectives? And having run a really successful business and still running a completely a very successful business, what piece of advice would you give an entrepreneur?
0: I think I think it's really important to know your own sweet spot that I was sort of talking about before. To sort of know what are your unabashed, you know, like privately, but what are your strengths? And and really understand very well what your strengths are, also what makes you tick and what you're passionate about. And then also to sort of have a, you know, what does the world need? I think if you can put that in there, and that's very broad, you know, because that connects with your own personal values and how you see what the world needs. But I think it, it needs to be needed for it to be a success. So you have to have some level of honesty about that, but um, and I, but I, I think if if you so you need to make sure that your idea is sitting there. I would say then separately get as much external help as you can, from advice to funding to accelerators to and because you it, the main reason I would say is it's going to connect you to a lot of people. It's going to challenge your thinking. So you want to be challenged constantly, um, in uh, to to help refine. Uh, be also clear on what you want to get out of it for yourself. I think because there's different types of entrepreneurship, there's different types of businesses. It's not only interesting to be a tech company that's going to like 100x in five years, you know, be the next Facebook. It's also fine to, to build something that's a lifestyle business. So I just yeah. want this to be able to pay for me and uh, to, to employees. And that's, that's it. I want to take over. I want to be able to pay my mortgage and I don't want to work more than 20 hours. And I want to be able to work from Lehinch, you know, like yeah. put your own parameters. What do you want the business to serve? Um, and you know, what does success look like for you? And success doesn't have to be the next Facebook. You know, it's I do not want thing. to be the next Facebook. <laughs> it's <laughs> too much work and stress. But um, and, and the other question I didn't answer was like for a starting investor, um, or anyone who wants to get into that, or is I would it would start small, but you actually need to just go through the process. You just need to go through the process and accept that it's learning. Like I mean, I I I'm still definitely still learning, but you. You you can't. It's not something theoretical. You actually need to um, experience the whole process mm. and see what you can contribute and what can it. What does it bring back to you? And do you like it? Is it is it stressful? And because and, I found it quite hard in the beginning. I know also Paul found it like quite challenging. I don't have an income from that in the in the way that we culturally expect income mm. every month a paycheck like mm. hopefully there'll be a couple of nice large paychecks at some point in the future but that is mm. a real adjustment mm. to yeah deal with the fact that all of the increases and decreases are all on paper and they won't actually realize until they're realized mm. thank
1: you so much for your time Jan.
0: no problems <laughs> love you <John. laughs> catching <Nope>. up <laughs> take care thank you
1: I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Jan, check her out on LinkedIn under her name. Let me spell that for you. It's J-A-N-N-E-T-J-E Van, V-A-N L-E-E-U-W-E-N And if you'd be so kind to share this episode with someone you know who would find it valuable, I would greatly appreciate it. And if you'd like to reach out to me about the podcast or anything else marketing or entrepreneurship related, check out finolahoward.com. And I'll be back next week with another great guest. And until then, take care.